0: Hello everyone, a real quick message from me. I wanted to say a massive thank you for your support this year with the show, with the podcast. It means a lot and it enables us to continue to grow the show and make it even better. Like we did last year, what we're going to do over the next couple of days is give you a replay of the most listened to episodes, the top five so, I'm going to let you enjoy that. Have a fantastic Christmas and a massive thank you to our podcast sponsor, sponsors that continue to make this show happen and, and support our mission. Enjoy the episode. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sean. Great. Uh, great to be here. Great to finally meet you. I know. I was saying you are the first Irishman to take a seat in the studio. Proud moment for you. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> First time we met after about, I think, 14 months now? Yeah, we've, we've, been we've known
0: each other for a little while, haven't we? Obviously got involved with recruitment mentors, the learning platform, got to know each other a bit there. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been really looking forward to sitting down with you. I think obviously you, you dropped me a couple of nudges to say like, hey, look, when, when am I getting my call up? <laughs> I think the last one was obviously a great achievement last year, being a top performer globally on the perm side of things in Tronovo. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, was was really looking forward to sit down with you. So there's a lot that we're going to go over. I think we were just saying before, definitely going to have a real focus in the last two years because I think it's fair to say that's where you've had some real exponential growth in, in your career. But we'll touch on just early days, learnings, looking back, but we'll, we'll mainly focus on the last two years. So I guess where I always like to start is I'd love to get your thoughts on what you believe are the common characteristics and traits of a successful modern day recruiter in your view and then we'll we'll kick it off there.
1: Good, yeah. I'll try and go for the ones that people don't generally give. Mm. You know, people will always tell you you gotta be able to take the highs and the lows and, and come back at it. I'd actually say hard working and I mean that because when you get like new jobs on and if you get a new job on a half five and if you're out the door at six o'clock and if it's an exclusive job or even if it's not an exclusive job, you're probably not gonna fill it. Mm. You need to be able to put the hours in when necessary. Don't say it don't mean you have to do it every day. When it matters to be able to do it. And then I'm gonna say something that's I don't know if a lot of people would say it, but I'd say courageousness. Courageousness a lot. Courageousness in the sense that, yeah, do a podcast, do a meetup, do a blog, do something different to get your name out there. Do the stuff that makes you uncomfortable to build your brand, because I think that's that's a mixture of you know hard work and something older, courageousness, something yeah. a little bit new. How about
0: that. So work ethic is that something that you believe you've always had, something <laughs> that you grew up with, you <laughs> were surrounded by. That's all I have. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where that where's that come from?
1: Do you know, I, I don't know. I think like, I had my first job when I was fourteen years old. Really. I worked in a nightclub. hanging up fourteen. Oh, <laughs> in a cloakroom uh, for I worked there up until I was twenty-two. Wow! But even in between, then I used to summer holidays work on a building site doing labour, and then other weekends my o- uncle's best friend owned his own re- his own clothing store, and I used to work at the shop floor while still being in the nightclub on weekends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it. So you've already, yeah. So you've worked from an early age. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So. If we just to touch on the, the sort of early days, when, when would you say your career truly started then? Was it when you got into recruitment at S3? Was it before that? What, what would you say?
1: Put it this way, I got into recruitment when I was 22. When I was 21, I got sacked from Nando's. You <laughs> <laughs> so got so sacked from Nando's 21? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what for?
0: What did you get sacked
1: for? I gave my friends and family discount out <laughs> to someone without, without management approval. <laughs> So, so to say there was a career glow up after getting let go from Nando's wouldn't do it justice.
0: <laughs> I love that. Okay, cool. So, there's always normally a story. How did you end up going from Nando's and that experience to to working for S3?
1: So, I actually went from from Nando's. I uh, was trying to find jobs, and I spent actually my last bit of money to try and get interviews everywhere. Uh, I'm getting a suit, and I was getting off. I couldn't get an interview because I was young, no education. Mm. Like I've. Used to call it, I think, it was a GCSEs. Yeah. I failed those, dropped out of community college, yeah. I got sacked from Nando's. Mm. Pretty unemployable at that, at the age of 21. And then uh, I got a job in a call centre. Okay. And I was there maybe like 14 months. And in 14 so months, that was your
0: first proper office. Yeah,
1: sorry. yeah. And in 14 months, I went from being like you, you know, what were you selling? The,
0: was you Was it sales? Yeah, w- white papers. Uh-huh. White pa- what do you mean?
1: Like you would paper? Re- no, white papers. Uh-huh. Okay. L- like information sheets about right. emerging technologies. Sorry. Got you,
0: got you. Yeah. Basically like, like publications. You- These publications. Yeah,
1: kind of like lead generation. Okay. Ish, and then it would go to like IBM or Dell to try and sell to the person I spoke to. Really oh. strange. I actually don't know how that industry still makes money after so long. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a successful industry. And I went there. I was there 14 months, but like after six months, I was made trainee team leader to team leader.
0: So you just really applied yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. Took a lot of hours again, you're talking Mm. 70, 80 hour weeks, Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. I'd be in for when the uh, west coast, east coast of the US would open Mm. and I'd finish when the west coast closes. Oh wow. Yeah, so it was a tough industry. And then I got, uh, I'm sure you probably even know him, Berkha Acer used to be on S3's talent acquisition. Okay. He messaged me and said, "Hey, would you be interested in recruitment?" I was like, "No, it sounds like a Ponzi scheme." <laughs> um, then I had a really bad day at work one day, and I messaged him back, and "Goes, hey, is this recruitment thing still going?" Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and then that was it. I went for an interview and there we go. joined uh,
0: jo- joined S three. And then, what what would you say? What's the career in recruitment giving you that maybe you least expected? I, I always like to ask that question.
1: For me. I would say the biggest thing that it's gave me is a, a level of communication skills that I, I'd never had. Mm. The way you can interpret situations, the way you can speak to people, a level of calm calmness when, you know, generally situations should be high pressure. I mean, if you can have, you know, six dropouts in six, in six weeks, pretty hard to get stressed after that. But yeah, I, I would say those sort of characteristics being, not even being more personable, but just being more actual, being able to listen to people a lot better. And I think that really goes, goes a long way. And I say this because these are like skills that I was traditionally really bad with really bad when with, I was yeah. younger. I used to be very, I suppose, selfish. Mm. And I used to be like, yeah, so what? I, I used to have a bit of a, a bravado that okay. wouldn't have been very, uh, very nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's such a interesting point. I think, communi- obviously I'm sure you see it now in your management career, but being able to effectively communicate is just is such a valuable skill not necessarily just in a sales environment, but just in life in general. So I think that's really interesting that that's something that, yeah, maybe it's really given you and equipped you with that clearly it wasn't something you was really strong at before that. How would you describe your first year in recruitment? Difficult?
1: It was tough in the sense that it was time consuming. Mm. You know, I joined the S3 and uh, there was like 12 of us, 12 trainees joining at once. Mm. And now look, I remember looking back. We are all there for nine months, and over the nine months, I build more than all eleven of them put together. Really? But I was there every day, you know, seven or eight, out pulling my own business. I was like a whole school. I was picking up. I was like, hey, can I get uh, can I get budget? I want to just walk by this company's office and drop them in coffees and donuts. (laughs) And I was like, because I've not got a busy day today, so I'm going to make myself busy. But I think like they were very supportive and willing to do that. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I would say I would say I really enjoyed it.
0: So just found yourself in an environment where, basically, if you really applied yourself, you got rewarded. Yeah, yeah. Normally, if obviously you're doing the right things and learning from maybe challenges, mistakes. But a lot of people say, who I've had on here that were part of that S3 culture theory period, really talk highly of the training, the development. Curious, like, what would you say you sort of still live by now or use today that maybe you learned really early on in your recruitment career out of interest?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. It would be that one as well. Having a reason to drop into someone you can't speak to them mm. and you're somehow passing their office, have a reason to drop in. Something that I was that was really helpful, I think it was Rachel Kelly that showed me this really well. R- Rachel Kelly was probably the best mentor I've had when it came to learning in computer futures. This is S3, right? S- yeah, S3. She's been there like 18 years. Mm. Uh, she's won like top biller UK and Ireland for say like 14 of those 18 years. She wow. Un- unbelievable. She was the dotnet market in Ireland. Rachel,
0: if you're listening, we need to get her on the pod. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she has that, she has that like, down. Down, it's, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I wouldn't even bother setting up a competition against really? her.
0: Yeah. Okay, so she was a great mentor for you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Even so much to like, um, if you were to work very close to her clients, she would make sure that you're working to her standards. Okay. Very specifically. The way, maybe it was just the way I took it, you know, she, she'd be very brutally honest in what you've done bad, and then very complimentary in what you've done well. And then she'd split the difference, and like, this is what you're doing well, this is what you're doing bad. To an extent that, like if I was sending over a CV to a client, I'd have to send it to her first for her to say, okay, why are you saying this candidate's done this? That's not really relevant to this. Can mm-hmm. you tell me this? and Like everything from that. Great, now you've got that candidate. An interview, how are you gonna prepare them? What notes have you got for them? You're debriefing them. What notes can you get from them on the debrief that you can give to the next candidate going in for prep? And she taught me basically to really good qualifications, to really good preps, to really good debriefs, and recycling all that information back to give to the next person to basically increase your percentage of chance of placement that placement, client yeah. again.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So that's something that's really stuck with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I now do training on to everyone within my business, really? and in my teams. You can see it, like Suki, for example, mm. he has a, we have a client and he was like, I know when I sent him a f- new job, sent in his fourth five candidates, It was like, yeah, they all failed. It's like, boy, he's been building up his fourth round interview question since, mm. and now everyone that goes in just passes the fourth interview. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. okay, so, and yeah. he knows that though. He, really? he
1: knows that's the story and that's why.
0: Yeah, okay, I love that. So obviously we touched on, I guess, a bit early days, I guess. Like obviously, I was saying earlier, a couple of sort of achievements tonight before we move in on to the last two years. From what I remember, obviously it was at S3 for nearly three years, right? Yeah. Like you said, joined in, in a group of people, but one of the things that you had in your LinkedIn profile was, yeah, it was in the, the top two, top three console in S3 UK in one year in 2017. I guess you're just curious to get your thoughts on and then we'll move on to the last two years. That's a, a great achievement, right? Would have been a really competitive environment internally. So what would you say, looking back, were some of the the other standards that you lived by or principles that you think you really took on board, lived by day in, day out, that really enabled you to to achieve those achievements, you think?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose what I would say what made my time different, like in my second year, I won best newcoming rookie, which was people between 13 to 14 months. And halfway through the year... I was like, I'm gonna win it, I'm gonna win it. But halfway through the year, I was like 80K off the pace. Really? And this is what I would say was from that moment to like the end of the next year, it just really kicked on. kicked on. Like I was doing three, four placements a month consistently for like a year and a half. Wow. Like to the extent that I was made like 60, 70 placements in a year and a half, Wow. In a, it was a low fees market. Mm. But it's still, when I say low fees. if like yeah, it's consistency, 10K. that's the that's thing. 10K. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's still pretty decent. Mm. But I would say like what, what I'd done differently is, is I stopped saying hello, computer futures, Anthony speaking. I started saying, Hey, how you doing? It's Anto. Um, Anto. Yeah, yeah. Cause that's that's what my friends call me. And I think that level of personability just came through and fed through to my candidates. When I was asking them, hey, available for a follow-up, it gave me like a different element of like candidate control. I was meeting everyone, video calling everyone if they were abroad, but I was Anto. I wasn't Anthony. Even though, like, Eshtree itself was really professional, mm. I, I made me very personable. And I think that gave me just, like, so much benefits out of it. I can't so exactly say what it is, but
0: it just no, changed everything. You really, yeah, you 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 really brought your authentic self yeah, to yeah. every interaction, relationship. What do you think interested 'Cause I'm sure this is something you maybe help people with now and maybe the the environment you're in now at Soda, it's a bit more from what I from the people I've met and what I know about the brand, might be a bit more free reign to bring that to work. But I guess what what do you think maybe held you back? I don't wanna say hold held you back, but why do you think it took that long for you to to bring Ampho to the to work life or take that approach, you think?
1: Estree, you used to have to wear suits and shorts and toys. Yeah. It was it was that. It was just that. That simple, you know. There mm. was no, uh, like, if it was a sunny day, twenty five degrees outside, we we're all in the office, an old Victorian building, roasting. Mm. You have to get an email from the director to say, yeah, you can take your toys off. Okay, no. even even if you're not at a client meeting. There's no clients coming into yeah. our office. There's just 50 people on one yeah. floor,
0: you know? So I think that comes back to courageousness, right? That you use courageousness to, I'm assuming you didn't go in there walking with flip flops <laughs> and shorts, <laughs> but like you you made the decision was like, you know what, I'm gonna really bring myself to work and be myself. And you then obviously saw the rewards of that people brought into you, that authentic authenticity. Yeah, I, I find that so interesting. So let, let's talk about the the last two years then, because we're saying just to frame this up, obviously an amazing achievement last year 2021, obviously top perm consultant across the group. I mean, there's there's a good amount of people that's against, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know exactly? Four thousand, I think it was, isn't it? Really? Okay, love that. So let's just let's just frame this up because I think obviously you were saying to me it was your best year, right? Best year Billingswise. wise. What what did you finish last year on? Uh, it
1: was like. S- Six hundred and ten,
0: six hundred and twelve. And that's best year you've ever had. Yeah. And obviously, the the important context here for people listening is that's also a period where at this beginning of the year you it was just it was just you, and then by the end of the year you was at six people, you was in a billing manager role, six people in your team, and then you now got eight people in your team in the middle of, obviously, the, this 2022. Yeah,
1: yeah? I, think, I think the thing I like about it the most, though, is six months before me joining, then Soda had never touched an AI or data client in Germany, ever. ever. So there was zero candidates and zero clients and zero businesses mm. from the day I started.
0: Yeah, that's nuts so <laughs> you should be proud of that very proud of it yeah let's unpack this then so I guess why don't we first start then I guess towards the beginning and with what you just shared there why don't we just talk a bit about what was the game plan like what was the game plan for you to, to go to the German market do those particular niches that you're going to focus on what what was the the approach that gave you confidence that it was going to work or things were going to work like talk to us about the, the early period and what, what the game plan was. This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Source Now, I think it's safe to say that right now, the market is crazy. Continue to hear people saying, never seen the market like it, and I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. Automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that, that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker, use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker.
1: When I was joining initially, I was telling Dave, Ash and Ollie, yeah, I'm going to do data and AI, which obviously is a big part yeah, of big. any business into that. you know it's a big pillar that like we can build this out mm. can make a lot of placings here and then like a week in or like three or four days in i goes no i've i've changed my mind can i do computer vision <laughs> so, someone yeah, was, that, around, was like what the fuck is computer vision <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh it's self-driving cars self-checkouts all video-related camera-based mm. technology ollie just said he was like i've no idea what it is but if you think it can work uh i'll, I'll back you just go ahead and do it so spent two weeks without picking up the phone. Two just weeks
0: without picking up the phone?
1: Just adding contacts and businesses to try and understand who was the companies that hired. Hmm. Computer vision, where were they, and then how can I start to make connections with them.
0: So did all the legwork of like market mapping, basically? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And
0: just quickly on that, because this is really common. Like, if if I was in your team tomorrow and we identified like a particular niche, what does market mapping actually mean? Is it that I'm just going on LinkedIn, I'm looking at all the companies that have this certain technology or certain thing that I'm going to be focusing on, then I'm going to add the hiring managers, then I'm going to be trying to grow my network of candidates. Like, what does what that marking? What, what do you actually do in that market mapping period? Well, I guess that's exactly it. You want to find out exactly every single company
1: and what technologies they use. Like, I was going through just searching computer vision, Berlin, going through every single LinkedIn search page. Mm looking for candidates who had just computer vision in it to see what companies they were at. Because some companies could be like four people big. Right. And computer vision, they're all startups. Mm. So you'd have to just find out who had computer vision engineers. Because mm. if you look at it now, there's probably, like over the last 90 days, 400 computer vision jobs posted on LinkedIn. Yes, it's growing. And half of them are probably from like big companies like Facebook. So you take mm. all them away, about 50. So you weren't building a market looking for looking for open jobs. You were being very proactive in in who you can get on. I mean it, it paid its dividends. I mean sometimes I was getting business on with companies where I'd made like three or four placements with in a couple of months, they didn't even have a careers page. Really? So I was like, my competition definitely can't even find yeah. so this. Well, why is that
0: beginning pop so important, in your opinion? Because a lot of people say that you need to do that donkey work, leg work early on. Why is that so important?
1: Because uh, if you try to do it while you're working jobs, recruiters like to work jobs. Mm. You get paid for filling jobs. Yeah. If you have even just one job to work over admin or market mapping, you'll resource a job, you'll speak to candidates and you just won't do it as well as it should. Mm. I think it sets the ground for, if you want to do social selling, Mm. you can then mass market to the right type of people. I mean, spending time really trying to find out right email addresses, not just adding it for no reason. Like if I got a a company that I wanted to add, I'd add everyone from the executive assistant to like the front desk, to the C-levels, to the manager, because I'm like, yeah, because no matter what I'm sharing in my industry, once it's about computer vision, everyone in this company is going to be interested anyway. And you never know, some of the times I've had people come back, you're like an engineer or Mm. someone that wasn't necessarily directly affected by lack of hiring, but they were like, oh, I'll connect you with this person, and then they'll connect you, but then they'll write back, and you'd have messaged that person 10 times before and not have a response. But a referral from someone else in the business made a big difference, Yeah. so like I'd map I try to map every company as I can and then also every person in those companies. Yeah.
0: And then, just quickly on this, do you, is it something that you go to, Now like you did that beginning bit, and then is it something you make time for throughout the year? Is it something you look at on a monthly, quarterly basis? Just curious on that. On yeah, that I try
1: front. to do it. Um, I try to find new companies
0: at least once or twice a month. Once, probably, you know, one or two hours. And then I know, because because we know a bit about each other, I know like you're so passionate about this, the niche piece, right? And, and being known for something and having a real focus, which you're talking about there. J- just really quickly, before we go into the sort of strategies and what's worked and, and challenges, what sort of markers or indicators got you really excited about computer vision? Like for you to go to turn around to Ollie and go, look, I know I said I was going to do this. But I really want to focus on this. Like, what is it that you got excited about? What did like, you see?
1: I've gone from a market with 50,000 vacancies <laughs> to one with 50. It's, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, this makes perfect business <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, it was actually when I was finishing up my previous company, COVID was coming in. Mm. And every larger enterprise who worked with every large tech company, every company that had an internal talent acquisition team or recruitment team shut off the taps. We're not using agencies. We're not using agencies. Every computer vision company, and I only worked with one at the time, mm. but I was able to BD and able to pick up two more while no one else was hiring. Mm. Uh, all were all happy to work with me. Mm. That's because they're small companies; they didn't have HR departments. You're like you're contacting the people who are directly affected by not having the, per, the, right the person, person in there, first, yeah. which is CTO. If you go into a one thousand or a five hundred person organization, CTO's not worried about that. Mm. And then there's probably too many barriers in between getting to the person that is, maybe they'll go through HR, go to the hiring manager, it's too many blockers. But within this, you could contact the C-level executive who they need to spend VC money because they have to make these hires because they have to build a computer vision product. Because if they don't build it, they lose their investors or they can't go to the next round of funding.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So let's first talk about you as you sort of getting numbers on the board building a name for yourself making placements building that client list and then we'll talk about challenges that have come with like them doing that whilst they're managing leading a team and all of that so i guess if you if you look at this two-year period then what's been for you the most effective way for you to get known liked and trusted by the, the companies that you mapped out and that you were going for so what, what's been your most effective way of winning business winning clients and sort of unlocking that loyal customer base that obviously loads of recruiters are aiming to do
1: yeah so i would say it's I can't pick one. Sure, but like obviously to say social selling, like when you come into a market where you've got no reputation whatsoever, mm. and you want to just start talking to a load of computer vision managers. Hey, how you doing? I want to do a computer vision podcast. Can we talk? I'd love to get you on it. Mm. And you can speak to twenty managers in three months. That's twenty actual relationships that you can try and leverage into business. Mm-hmm. You do an event, you can do the same thing. But then after you've made a couple of placements and you've got a decent little book there you can start literally just picking up the phone hey i see you're still advertising this job can i help you no why not (laughs) it's like why not i know that there's not that many people doing Mm. my market i'm like who he is using what's going on Mm. i was like i can send you over letters letters of recommendation i'm working with like some companies of like, The guy I'm working with, the company of the guy who created Computer Vision. Oh, wow! He's now got a new startup in Berlin, and I'm hiring for them. Mm. I just name drop him in. It's like, if he's working with me, why won't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but then, yeah, there's a difference. I can use that to like maybe like a HR, a line manager, and then you know, maybe next week I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. I'll ask him to come to my event. <laughs> oh, I didn't come back. I'll ask him to come to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's this cool blog I wrote. <laughs> yeah, just something all the time, and I just make it that. Uh, It was again, a big reason why I picked the niche market. I'd say there's probably 500 companies in the whole of Germany that I can contact or that would actually hire in my space. So I'm probably targeting to hit them with some kind of CV content or information, probably four to six times per month.
0: Mm. So it's all ju- relevant. Yeah, yeah. So j- j- just to break that down a bit, because so you mentioned social selling, right? So like you said, I think that, that's the key part to take away from that. There's like, if you're listening to this and you're relying on one method, one approach... For you to grow your sort of loyal customer base, you're going to struggle, right? And, that, and I feel like that's what that's what you're saying here. So, like, just talk talk to us through like what are some of the the multiple ways that you would view help you grow that loyal c- customer base. So You said obviously a podcast, something that you started. You got an events event like events that you run. You mentioned like blogs, actual industry content. And then you said CVs. So, like, just, I guess, just talk us a bit about that high level and on the different ways and why that is important, and then we'll move move on, because I think that's the key learning for people.
1: So podcasts, again, I mean, if you can come across and do and deliver a very good podcast with someone technical, CTO, line manager, you're going to come across as their go-to guy, Mm. you know, or or girl, whatever it's going to be. Next time they have a vacancy, they'll come back to you. I mean... Those can be the longer term games. You, you know, you can check them out. They don't have vacancies. You can ask them how the hiring is. You can always have them conversations. But I would say 80 to 90% of the time, they'll ask you two weeks before they know they have a vacancy Hey, do you have any idea what salary I should be paying? Or if this was to come out, would you be able to help us? <laughs> of course, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the same with the events, but the events obviously is very much they can be quite hard because they're trying to get people in from speakers or from an event host into like conversion. But when it happens, you actually have a very little one-to-one time with them. But it can always be used as another one. Hey, let's do the event, but let's book a meeting up after. Let's see how everything went. And Mm. then you can look to convert it then. Mm. And then information, CVs, they're like a little bit more quicker wins. Sometimes you don't get the long-term relationship out of them that you want. Sometimes they can be... quick a quick snatch deal even though you know you could do a lot more with them some people are just interested in a a quick placement and that's all they want you for yeah but i guess it's i guess it's about having having different arrows for your bow uh different weapons that you can use depending on on who it's going to be that you're working with
0: yeah and like you said that enables you to build a short-term relationship short-term opportunities long-term opportunities so i guess this was something that and i know again something that we spoke about just on the on this topic and it's something also that ollie dropped me a note about as well so i think and this is what we spoke about so i think when i spoke to a few of your colleagues they all sort of spoke really highly of you in the sense of like your approach to business development and i think that the the overarching thing that i took when we sort of prepared for this was this sort of combining social selling modern approach with old school methods right and i know we're talking about talking a bit about this now but i guess how would you sum up or describe that you use things like podcasts meetups modern approaches combined with old school getting on the phone making things happen like how how would you describe that you you combine those
1: yeah um i mean look it gives you a fantastic reputation when you pick up the phone to someone who is a computer vision manager or someone who hires in computer vision when they look at your linkedin like my linkedin looks like pretty, pretty decent. Mm. You know, you can see it's very well accomplished. You can see the recommendations of ex-guests. You can see lists and lists of people that have been there. I think it creates, like people seeing your face either at a meetup at an event, people hearing your voice at a podcast reduces you being a stranger, calling them for that first time. Mm. You know, whereas every other time you're just that same old recruiter trying to send them a CV, trying to make a placement and trying to leave them. Whereas these people have probably heard, seen, spoken, seen like so many things five or six times before. And I think that's a a nice way to get in and get some long term business. But then there's obviously, you know, some people are not interested in these podcasts and meetups. They're the people that, you know, sometimes you just have to make those calls to pretty sure that, like, I don't let people say that they won't speak to me. If they say they're not interested in working with me as a recruiter, I'm like, that's fine. I go. What about coming to one of my events or mm. on my on my podcast? It's like these are very relevant to you in your industry. As a minimum, have, have you considered looking at these? I've never heard of them. Oh, cool. Why not? Yeah. It's like I know I know everything that's going on in your space in Germany. This is what I do. I share this information. Why, why don't you want to know what's going on? And then from them, nearly going to hang up the phone. It's like, what do you mean? What, <laughs> what is it that you do actually? <laughs> and then it's, okay. it's great. So you know, I, I'm not afraid to to get told no. For, for anything mm. because if someone says no for working I'm like oh great fallback
0: about this yeah what about like this that. so it sounds like you've been really proactive you're picking up the phone okay cool got it so I, w- I want to segue into your leadership journey because I know that's really challenging for people and it seems like obviously you've m- you've made that a success but I guess before I do I was going to ask you about like your day plan and how you approach that because people always love that but you know what Actually, let's do that when we're also talking about you managing and leading people because I think that, that would be really interesting for people and like how you were able to build that whilst also growing your team and how you, how you manage that, so we'll, we'll touch on that. But I guess, look, we've, we've kept it quite positive. What, what would you say last year as you were growing your team, what, what was the most difficult part about it, about sort of keeping that performance high, obviously making, you could probably sense that you was on track to have like a really good year, but then you wanted to grow your team, get the right people in. What were the, the maybe the challenges last year that maybe you least expected or came with that transition to management? This podcast is proudly partnered with VinCherry. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest and their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo you can probably guess what it is. A lot of you and for the last two or so years have probably accelerated your use of video. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in in your interview process, just going to make your life a whole lot easier. So just another amazing reason why you need to check out VinCherry. If you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider VinCherry. Use the link in the show notes. Because you're a recruitment mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount and price. So use that link and you will not regret it. Do you
1: know what? I would actually say the challenges are coming now. Okay. More cool. so than we'll, last, we'll year. L- last year. talk about that? Last year... It was like, as soon as the team joined, everyone came together. It we went from one to five overnight. Mm. And it was like, everyone was just in flow state. Like okay. e- everything just happened. Like month two, full house. Month three, team full house. Yeah. I was like, this is this is unbelievable. There mm. was like a trainee on my team who'd done three deals in her first yeah, two so months. It was, all,
0: it was all going to plan. It was,
1: it was just, she was signing terms. It was just like, this is, this is great. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was having some of my best months and yeah, it just worked out really well. Whereas now there's there's me and seven, so there's a team of eight. My time has gotten very much restricted now. We're trying to help, like Sucky's doing his Mm. event. Mm. Uh, His first in-person event next week. week. This week. It's this week. The eight. It is. It's this week. Yeah, yeah. So Sucky's doing his first event, so I'm going over for his event. Mm. And then two weeks, I'm back over for my event. So I'm finding that juggling all of that it's a lot of overcommitment, and then trying to make sure i have enough time for everyone and i mean having enough time for five people when a lot of the time you were able to be remote working anyway now you're traveling travel times and mm. yeah it's just being just being that quite
0: bit stretched so how have you how are you approaching it at the moment like what's the current approach to it because i know it's not perfect yeah, but how, yeah. You, how are you thinking about it at the moment this will be helpful for people because this will be a really typical journey that billing managers go on. So how are you currently thinking about approaching those time constraints and challenges? And Because I'm sure you're thinking, oh, that person on my team, do they feel like I'm letting them down? Do they feel like they're getting enough support from me? Like, How are you currently thinking about approaching it that you think's maybe working well? Or
1: Yeah, um, I would say I, I sacrifice time speaking to candidates okay. more so than speaking with my team. Interesting. Everyone on my team has a consistent one-to-one every month, performance management, bi-weekly training sessions. I speak to everyone on the team at least once. At least, sometimes it might just be a thirty-minute session. But mm. you know, some people are in the team now one year. That's that's all they need. That's mm. all they want. They might just want to rant here to for thirty minutes. Yeah. I had there could be people on the team that want or need that little bit more support. You know, maybe two thirty-minute sessions per week to talk about their L and D, where they're going to develop. But with that as well, I always make sure that I'm booking out my own time for making sure I'm still doing BD. Mm. Each week, so that like if I was if I come into every week, there's, there's 20 hours gone anyway. And that's between booking in BD and time with my team. That's interesting because it's 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 nice with a niche market. Because all like, if I if I get a computer vision job on next week, I'll have 12 candidates in 24 hours, and that's unheard of in that market. Mm. Um, so I think choosing that niche has allowed me to be able to spend less time with candidates. It's kind of like a Java developer. You either do Java or you don't. It's the same with computer vision. But you've also
0: got the... You've, is it just you that does computer vision? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say that you've then obviously grown a bit of a team where I'm sure that they do some... Obviously, they're building their candidate networks and these things. But that's interesting. So so the insight there I got then is, which I guess oftentimes can slip for billing managers, is your non-negotiables each week beyond supporting the team is every single week you're showing up doing business development, Existing relationships, new relationships is something that you, you always make time for regardless.
1: Yeah, yeah, and time with the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, and time with the team. And then maybe it's the candidates that you maybe don't have as much time, but you've really worked hard to build this network. So, you know, if you get these grade A jobs, that there's you know the type of people that you want to be calling that you can head on and speak to.
1: Sometimes it's easier to win a new business to get five CVs, five existing CVs to so that, mm. than get five new candidates
0: for one existing job. What about what skill sets have... Has Anthony had to develop on this journey so far? What have you had to get better at? What things have you had to learn the hard way when it comes to um, management?
1: I would say, like it's the it's the doing and the following up. Okay. Um n- not even that; it's the the process behind it. Mm. Something that Oli Perry's is actually amazing at, and I've tried to replicate as much as I can. So you have your your team brief in the morning, Monday morning. You sit, let everyone out. You tell everyone this is what we agreed on, here's our objectives, here's our goals, here's our actions, we'll catch up these on these on Wednesday. Let's see how everyone's doing on Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, you can link back to the email that you sent on Monday, hey, how are you getting on based mm. on everything we agreed on? And then again, same on Friday, and then reset in between. So what um, are you
0: doing, just the email on Monday and then no follow up?
1: <laughs> but Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no I do, I do, <laughs> I've, I've got good at it now. I've got good at the uh, setting the okay. email, setting the nice. actions, the following up. And even, I mean, you can do that from a, one-to-one perspective a team weekly objection setting perspective one uh, like a monthly one-to-one personal development plan mm. if you do a training session everything has actions and objectives after it that you're following up on whereas previously i would have just been like yeah here's i meeting. fine go on not no like and what, that, we that, that was just there you know yeah.
0: um so the follow-up and the process is something you've worked really hard on yeah yeah so have you had to become a lot more organized
1: do you know what? It was actually just being able to manage to do that in time, with that. So, so now I can do it while the meeting's happening on a dual screen. Whereas before, right. I was like drowning in all the information coming in. Yeah, <laughs> was all so new to me. But yeah, okay. Balancing that was 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 quite nice. I think that was that was really good. Anything so, else
0: that you've really had to work on, learn, learn the hard way? So you mentioned obviously the process, the follow up. From a management leadership perspective, is there anything else that you've had to get really good at, do you think? I mean, I haven't
1: really had to deal with much else. It's just more so work with everyone very closely, performance mm. manage one-to-one.
0: Yeah. Nice. So I think this is, we spoke about this, but this is something also Oli mentioned. You mentioned it to me around, Oli really feels like you've done a really good job of creating like a mini culture in your team. He was saying that, that he feels adds an additional purpose for people in your team beyond working for the overarching company and probably something that recruitment owners want their best managers and leaders to do is that they'll they'll sort of die and live for the company but also their team manager and in it within the team so i think obviously you mentioned to me before we uh called right that your team's called the the cream team right team cream team cream right the cream rises to the top
1: cream rises to the top, obviously Irish, what, what's Guinness. What's the
0: idea behind this? I know you had a bit of a philosophy around it, but why, why have you really intentionally built this mini culture and really tried to get people even further bought into what you guys are trying to build as a collective within the, within the business?
1: I can't remember the book exactly it was in, but it was definitely one of the management framework books. And yeah. As I was saying, it was about, I can't even remember the coach now, but it was England's most successful Olympics coach. Did he doing
0: cycling. Or
1: not? No, no, over overall. Oh, okay, So you. they get like an overall team coach for everyone to go in right. and everyone like reports into him. He's yeah. he's the team leader for a hundred athletes to go over, right? Got it. And there is the thing that stops most teams from being successful at the Olympics, and I didn't know this until I read that, is illness. Illness. Yeah. So they made this thing as like, let's be the healthiest team mm. ever. And then they called it like a totem, like a kind of like a ritual that they all had Mm. to make sure that because if one gets sick and you're all sharing a house together, you're all going to get sick. So if you get sick, you're sacrificing that person's success and so on like that. So let's all agree. We'll wash our hands. We'll sanitize our hands before we enter every room and when we leave. Um, And there was a couple of little rules like that. And that was that was their totem. Anyway, it was the most successful English Olympics ever in history even still to this date and I was like cool I was trying to think of that so like, I can't get so that, that
0: inspired you yeah, Do you yeah. do a lot of sort of like do you do you intentionally make time for you to learn about how can you become a better leader manager is that something you often do
1: yeah I would I would not so much recently because I'm quite i don't have the time as much now but i i do need that's not an excuse
0: i need to make time yeah. again but, but obviously when you went on the journey it seems like you're quite curious about yeah yeah what, okay yeah. cool so this, so you was inspired by that and then what did you think what what can i create what sort of rituals can i create for for my team or the team that i'm building
1: yeah yeah and then um i just came up i was like yeah look let's 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 call ourselves team cream because it was <laughs> It was kind of like joking at the time, because mm. um, it was when, when the team had just set up and like we'd been team of the month, team of the month, team of the month, team of the quarter. Mm. like Just in like our first month, I was like, oh, this, is, this is unbelievable. And then I just written to like, one of the chats, yeah, the cream always rises to the top. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, we're, we're team cream. And then like, from then it just, it just stuck. But then what I done is I took it a step further and I do like a three, six month rollout of where were we then? Where are we now? Mm. And basically, like showing accountability. So, like let's say, like Suki, who's now gone into team leadership. Yeah. Like six months ago, we were rolling out. It's like, yeah, Suki wants to be here in six to twelve months. That means that as a team, we need to do this. Mm. But everyone then knows that if the team doesn't do this, it's actually impacting possibly Suki's growth. It's impacting right. the growth of the potential team. So you're getting it,
0: people to buy into that collective.
1: Yeah. So I don't think people people often say in recruitment, "Oh, what what am I here for?" am I just here to generate revenue, to make sales mm. and do business? I'm like, great, yeah. Yes, you are. But, but in, in our team, you doing well, you doing well, and the whole team doing well, here's how it affects the person sitting beside you. And we all got matching hoodies as well.
0: Yeah, and you, and you found people really bought into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. So I guess as we, come, as we come to the end here then, what advice would you have for people listening to, to this that, are also on this billing manager journey maybe finding it really tough right now they're in the the trenches of like i don't know they've gone from like one person that they're responsible for to three to six now they get onto the next stage like what advice would you have to people that are on a similar journey to you that that might be helpful the structure the Mm.
1: structure of when you have a meeting there's an agenda goals are set out and then after you're following up what goals are set out who's accountable for them And how they're going to achieve that, and then making sure you're following up on that. Because if you're just setting goals and you're not following up on them, people aren't ever going to do what their goals are anyway. You know, Mm. they're not going to go for their objectives if it's not. You might say, Yeah, this is important, but then if you never follow up with them, how important is it? Yeah, they start, even if it is important, they start to think, Oh, it's not that important anyway. He never asks, she never asks that working on your own time management, um, which again, I know is. He's a lot easier said than done but with me I have blocked out times in my diaries which are non-negotiables every week that I either have for my team or oh, for so, me yeah. to do something whether it's for my desk or then specifically for my team and, and then team meetings.
0: So let's just, as you mentioned that, let's just break down what, what a typical day looks like for you then as, as Anthony the manager in a growing team and then we'll, we'll wrap up. What, what does a typical day look like then?
1: It's it's more so typical week. Okay, cool. Um, let's, do that. let's do that. So typical let's week. say if I say typical week, uh, I'll have week start of the week, objective setting, midweek catch up, Friday, end of the week, done.
0: So that's like team time. That's team time?
1: Group group team calls. Yeah. There is then individual time for every single person on the team. Mm-hmm. Your 20-minute sessions, probably... Six to eight of those per week, minimum. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit. Is that bit at the more. beginning of
0: the week, end of the week? Mixed, um, can... mix, mix. Next, Monday, okay.
1: Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. Trying to mix it up so I still have good availability in core hours for myself. So I'm not. Sure.
0: Unavailable. So you got, yeah, the objective setting, the follow up, the sort of wrap up at the end of the week with the team group stuff. Then you've got individual time, 30 minute sessions with the team. Then what else? Do you have any other team commitments?
1: Uh, to, to, or? No, that, that would be it unless there's stuff coming up. Unless it's uh, every second week there's a team cream bi-weekly training session. Team cream
0: like that? Uh, yeah, bi-weekly
1: okay. session. And how long's is that? Uh, that would be 45 minutes. What, over lunch? On um, a typical day? End of the day on a Wednesday. Okay, and nice. that would be a topic that the team give to me it's like, what do you want to know about? Whether it's interview preparation, mm, debrief. Just maybe
0: current challenges that are going through, things that they're interested in. Yeah,
1: closing techniques, stuff like that. that.
0: So every other week, you've got a team cream training session, non negotiable as well. Yeah, Love yeah. That.
1: And then I've got my management calls that I'd have. So there might be two or three of those per week, maybe an hour or two. And then I do my traditional recruitment stuff that, I again, even though I tell everyone to do it, there's not a lot of people. So you still see doing it. Four hours of outbound BD every week two hours of candidate regens
0: every week. Regens, we'll something, Yeah, like? it's
1: just regenerating candidates that okay. are all on the database. Candidates mm. I might have spoke to two years ago,
0: mm. you're available what's now. What's going on, yeah. yeah so four yeah. four hours outbound client development. And
1: two hours outbound uh, candidate development. Mm. Don't know what leads you get out of it. Yeah. Someone you might have placed or someone you might have not placed is now a hiring manager. I mean, it's... Or they, even, even better yet, they're available.
0: <laughs> love that. So, And then any other non-negotiables, like activities? So you've um, got four hours of that, two hours of that. Is there anything else or is that it?
1: That would be it. You know, the rest of the time is what I'd use for sourcing. Mm. Maybe,
0: uh, you know, calls with new candidates. Yeah, I love that. I love the non-negotiables around that. Thanks for sharing that. So I guess to, to wrap up then, what obviously we're halfway through this year. What, what have you got top of mind? What are you thinking about that is going to make sure that the cream rises to the top again at the end of this year?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm actually in the process of, of trying to place a whole team of nine people that were made redundant. Oh, wow. Um, which would be unbelievable. Yeah. So if I do that, I'll be very happy. But uh, by the end of the year, ideally, I'd have like, you know, setting up in new regions, Munich, Switzerland. Mm. This way we can really, I guess, the word, land and expand. Yeah. You know, we've got a successful team in Berlin.
0: Uh, so, and you're yeah. all based in that aren't you? Your team? Uh, or t- not?
1: Two in London, five in Dublin. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, think we're going to be looking at a Berlin office in Q1 next year, but yeah, just really looking at growth, getting in that second line of leadership, so Suki obviously mm. coming in. If I had my way, I'd get one more team lead, mm. Um, again, that would be fantastic for me because then I can spend more time with Suki, a new and team lead, everyone, yeah. and then with more people, maybe let Suki manage two or three people, but mm. when it really comes to performance manage, I can help out with that. But,
0: and then how are we looking your own performance-wise? We're going to top last year? I, I, I think so. I'm really? Gonna, I'm gonna, on track?
1: I'm going to aim for it. I'm not on track, but this month I'm going to... feeling good. I'm going to have a, a
0: six-figure month this month. Yeah? Okay, I love it. Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <There you>, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast,